Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Albany Update. This week, we want to offer an update on the U.S. House of Representatives' passage of H.R. 5, the Parents' Bill of Rights Act. Then, we'll discuss a piece of New York State legislation that solidifies the sad way in which our state addresses issues surrounding gender dysphoria. Finally, two weeks ago, I was in South Carolina for the inaugural Social Conservative Conference. We'll tell you more about it and what it means for our state. Let's get started. On March 24th, the U.S. House of Representatives passed H.R. 5, the Parents' Bill of Rights Act, by a vote of 213 to 208. By passing this legislation, the House Republicans kept a promise set forth in the commitment to America that they made during the 2022 election cycle. Also, the House's passage of this bill demonstrates that House Republicans are serious about pushing back against the toxic and dangerous LGBT agenda that has taken hold in public schools across the United States. The Parents' Bill of Rights Act would codify a wide range of parental rights regarding their children's education. The bill would require public schools and local educational agencies, or LEAs, to adhere to its requirements in order to receive federal funds. The Parents' Bill of Rights Act would require schools to give parents notice of their rights in regard to curricula, teacher meetings, school budgets, library books, access to school board meetings, and more. The major area of controversy in regard to the Parents' Bill of Rights Act relates to gender identity. The bill requires federally funded public elementary schools and schools that consist only of middle grades to obtain parental consent before changing a minor's child gender markers, pronouns, or preferred name on any school form, or allowing a child to change the child's sex-based accommodations, including locker rooms or bathrooms. Furthermore, the bill requires federally funded elementary and secondary schools to place parents on notice of the right to know if a school employee changes their minor child's preferred name, pronouns, or sex designation, or allows their minor child to use opposite-sex facilities, or lets any male use opposite-sex facilities at the school, or finally permits male students to participate in girls' sports. While the bill could be made stronger, its passage in its current form would mark a policy victory for girls' safety, for girls' sports, and for public school parents in general. Five House Republicans, including Representative Mike Lawler, a Republican from Pearl River, voted against the Patients' Bill of Rights Act. No House Democrats voted in favor of it. All of New York's House Democrats voted against the bill. With the exception of Representative Lawler, all of New York's House Republicans voted in favor of it. The bill has no chance of passing the U.S. Senate as long as it is led by Democrats. However, it is hoped that it will be a major priority if the Republican Party gains control of the White House and the Senate in future years. Opponents of the Parents' Bill of Rights Act have advanced a series of non-persuasive arguments against the bill. First, the bill's opponents have mentioned an instance of graffiti vandalism at a Hudson Valley LGBT facility, threats made it against an LGBT facility, vandalism of LGBT symbols at a Hudson Valley high school, and unverified claims of bullying against a trans, non-binary 8th grader at an area school. Incidents like these are unacceptable. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedom stands against hatred and mistreatments of all kinds. Every person, 
regardless of his or her sexuality or stated gender identity, is made in the image of God and is entitled to the equal protection of state and federal law. It must be emphasized, however, that the Parents' Bill of Rights Act would not open the door to any of this type of behavior. Furthermore, a pro-LGBT anti-bullying law called the Dignity for All Students Act, or DASA, was passed in New York in 2010 and remains in effect. A far-left representative, Jamal Bowman, a Democrat from Yonkers, recently called the Parents' Bill of Rights Act repetitive, redundant, and unnecessary. Representative Bowman added that a discussion about the bill was a waste of taxpayer time and money, that indicated that the Congress members' colleagues have spent little or no time in an actual public school. In similar fashion, Representative Pat Ryan, a Democrat from Gardner, described the bill as a political stunt, not a real issue. There is a word that aptly describes this rhetoric, gaslighting. According to the Washington Stand, at least 5,904 public schools and 168 school districts require or allow teachers to hide information about students' in-school gender transitions from their parents. Representative Bowman and Representative Ryan may believe that the Parents' Bill of Rights Act is not a real issue, but the parents of children in those 5,904 schools would likely disagree. One media outlet implied that sharing information about students' gender transitions with parents could lead students to attempted suicide. According to a 2022 survey conducted by a deeply biased pro-LGBT source, more than half of all youths who describe themselves as transgender or non-binary have seriously considered suicide. Even if accurate, however, this statistic only shows how important it is that parents be made aware of their children's struggles with matters of gender identity. To assume that it is safe for school personnel to be aware of a student's gender transition, but that it is somehow unsafe for the student's parents to be aware of such a transition, is both elitist and deeply disrespectful of the parent-child relationship. According to Loha.com, Representative Mark Molinaro, a Red Hook Republican and a co-sponsor of the bill, commented, This bill originated from the simple idea that parents should have a say in their child's education. I worked so this bill was reasonable, preserved protections for children, and included measures that ensure parents know what's being taught in schools. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms thanks House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the California Republican, and the other 212 House Republicans who voted for the Parents' Bill of Rights Act, their support of parental rights and gender sanity is noted and appreciated. Now, while there was good news on this front at the federal level, there is some discouraging news on the state level. The New York State Senate Judiciary Committee has approved a bill that aims to make New York a safe haven for transgender youth and their families. The legislation, Senate 2475 by Senator Hoylman Segal, seeks to prevent the state of New York from enforcing or cooperating with laws from other states that might punish out-of-state parents who obtain so-called gender-affirming care for their minor children in New York. The legislation would also prevent New York from enforcing or cooperating with laws from other states that might punish medical personnel for providing so-called gender-affirming care. Examples of gender-affirming care include puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgical procedures for people who are uncomfortable with their gender identities. Specifically, the legislation would bar consideration of any out-of-state law that would authorize 
the removal of a child from a parent's custody because that parent allowed the child to obtain gender-affirming care. It would also block the state of New York from cooperating with other states in regard to arrests, subpoenas, and extraditions arising from out-of-state laws banning gender-affirming care. Finally, the bill would prevent New York medical personnel who provide gender-affirming care from suffering adverse action with regard to licensure or insurance. This unnecessary and troubling measure is analogous to various New York laws that create special protections for medical personnel who provide abortion-related services to residents of other states. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted 12-0 to zero to advance this legislation. Twelve committee members voted in favor of the bill, while seven others supported it by voting aye with reservations. A vote of aye with reservations, or aye without recommendation, is a vote to allow a bill to proceed to the next stage of the legislative process without expressing approval or disapproval on its merits. In essence, a vote of aye without recommendation on a bill is an effort to avoid taking a position on it. The bill now moves to the Senate Codes Committee for further consideration. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms is disappointed with the Senate Republicans that failed to oppose this bill. We call upon them to reverse course. Finally, two weeks ago, I and hundreds of allies from across the country gathered at Family Policy Alliance inaugural Social Conservative Conference, or what we affectionately call SoconCon. The first-of-its-kind event brought together some of the brightest ideas, hardest-learned lessons, and promising visions for the future. According to the Colson Center's John Stone Street, the event's opening speaker, foundations are not legislated, they are taught. The foundations that cultivate life and citizenship come from a worldview, and the key is education. Pastor Macario de la Cruz, who attended the conference and serves on the staff of our sister organization in Arizona, points to the loss of American foundational values based in freedom. He says, We are living the product of decades of seeding of progressivism in our education system. Only 3% of high school students are able to pass the citizenship test. This is the reality we are living in. Are we living President Reagan's farewell speech warning? An eradication of the American memory will result in an erosion of the American spirit. We must reverse years of progressivism. Well, it's up to us to do our part to restore the principles of social conservatism that have proven most effective for human flourishing. It's not the passive affirmation of relativism in the name of politeness which has led to the critical theory movement denying the true story of God and his world. Here's a bit of what is ahead for our organization and other social conservatives working toward the restoration of vital foundations. First, on the issue of life. The proliferation of abortion pills makes them the current threat to life. The abortion industry and its allies deceive women with a promise of a quick and easy solution to their unplanned pregnancy. A pill is safe as Tylenol. But it's not. It is deadly for both the unborn baby and the mother. The Charlotte Lazier Institute finds the abortion pill four times more dangerous than surgical abortions. Yet the Food and Drug Administration has greatly weakened safety regulations on the pill. Since the fall of Roe last June, more than 20 states have moved to enact either pre-Roe laws like Arizona or pro-life trigger laws previously restricted by the Roe decision. Nine of those laws are held up in court, and others are now saving lives. But even here in New York, where under Governor Andrew Cuomo's late-term abortion expansion act, abortions are permitted for virtually any reason at any time, 
the abortion industry reports an increase in the use of the abortion pill. In fact, there is legislation promoted by the abortion industry that would go even further in mandating that every university in the State University of New York system provide students with access to abortifacients. Specifically, the bills would require all public universities in New York to either make abortion-inducing pills available to students or refer students to local providers authorized to provide such drugs. These bills are completely silent about the many negative health consequences that are caused by abortion-inducing pills. The bills are also silent about whether student health centers at SUNY schools are prepared to provide medical services to women who experience complications following pill abortions. The movement that rallied against back-alley abortions has now relegated women to a new type of back-alley abortion with horrible health risks, including infertility, hemorrhage, infection, and death. Our goal is to expose the gruesome truth of chemical abortions, use every tool legally available to stop them, and maximize care and support for women facing unplanned pregnancies so they can choose life. But perhaps the biggest threat to families is the assault on basic biological humanity and the fatal lie that children don't need their parents. Our organization is pressing into the definition of family and what it means for a strong state. To be a strong state, we must have strong and stable family units. Without strong families, we can't have a strong state, and hence, never a strong nation. I left the conference encouraged, but also challenged for the work ahead. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update, or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.